St. Nicholas is not coming this year. Instead, a much darker, ancient spirit. His name is Krampus. He and his helpers did not come to give, but to take. He's the shadow of St. Nicholas. Omi from the movie Krampus. Violin Vice contains graphic and explicit content, which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Violent Vice. My name is Audie Griffith. And I'm John John. Hello. If you guys could do us a favor, hit that subscribe button, give us five stars, and write a review. We'd really, really appreciate it, especially in this giving Christmas season. It's like a gift to us. It is. Comment goes a long way here. It really, really does. So, speaking of Christmas season, do you want to know what today's topic is? I can only guess from that quote. We're talking about Rudolph. Close. We're... <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about Krampus. Mm, good. All right. So just kind of we're going to go over the history, a couple of stories, and kind of the ba- background of Krampus. So if you have questions, feel free to ask. Oh, I will. All right. And then a lot of this information comes from Who is Krampus? Explaining the Horrific Christmas Beast by Tanya Basu. The link will be in the blog. And we have a lot of other sources that we tied in, but this is kind of where the body of the information comes from. Oh, plug in another book, Adi. I like it. And we're going to kind of start midway and then retract back a little bit and then go forward. It's it's a little timeliney, jumpy but Catholicism really messed up Krampus's origins, so mm. you, you'll get why here as we go through it. So we're going to do this episode like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, where it's like middle, going back, and then to the future. I like it. Yeah. So let's dig into it. So in Catholicism, St. Nicholas is the patron saint of children. His saint's day falls in early December on the 6th, which helps strengthen his association with the Yuletide season. Many European cultures not only welcome this kindly man as a figure of generosity and benevolence to reward the good, but they also feared his menacing counterparts who punish the bad. Parts of Germany and Austria dread the beast called Krampus, while other Germanic regions have Belsnickel and Connect Rupert, excuse my German pronunciations, they're going to be bad, and I apologize, I tried to practice. But we're going to have to address Bellsnickel? Bellsnickel. <laughs> That's a fun name to say. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. But he's along the lines of Krampus, and uh, Dwight Schrute does cover him in The Office, one of the Christmas specials. I forget what season. Oh, there's too many... But, That's okay. But he is very <laughs> similar to Krampus. I like it. Germanic regions have Elsnickel and Krempt black-bearded men who carry switches to beat children. France has Hans Trap and Pereira Fotard, 
some of these helpers, such as Zwart Petit in the Netherlands, have attracted recent controversy, um, being similar and maybe going a little bit too far. So same, I mean, all different names, but kind of same basic helper in different regions. I mean, varying stories, but along the same lines as Krampus. Lots of aliases, I guess. Yeah, very okay. much so. So where does Krampus come from? His name is derived from a German word called Krampen, meaning claw. It is said that he is the son of hell in Norse mythology. So not necessarily Norse mythology, but um, Hela and the Thor movie is associated with hell in mm. Norse mythology. It's the same goddess that he's a son of. Yeah. So it's essentially like if the Norse tried making Satan into theirs. Yeah. I like it. So the legendary beast also shares characteristics with scary demonic creatures in Greek mythology, including satyrs and fauns. The legend is part of centuries-old Christmas traditions in Germany, where Christmas celebrations begin in early December. Krampus was created as a counterpart to kindly Saint Nicholas, who rewarded children with sweets. Krampus, in contrast, would swat wicked children, stuff them in sacks, and take them away to his lair to eat them. According to folklore, Krampus purportedly shows up in towns the night of December 5th, before St. Nick's Day, known as Krampenschnacht, or Krampus Night. The next day, which is December 6th, Nickelstag, or St. Nicholas Day, when children look outside their door to see if their shoe or boot they left out the night before contains either presents or a rod. So presents for good behavior, a rod for bad behavior. A more modern take on this tradition in Austria and Germany, Hungary, Slovenia, and Czech Republic involves drunken men dressed as devils who take over the streets for Krampusloff, a Krampus run of sorts, when people are chased through the streets by these devils. So, I guess, besides covering that, where did they get the idea of Krampus from? Where did he kind of come from? Like I said before, it's a little bit hard to pin down because the Catholics base St. Nicholas on uh, Krampus's counterpart, and they kind of adopted Krampus from pagan rituals. It really first gained popularity among German-speaking people during the 11th century. Krampus became part of the festivities over the centuries to follow, but he undoubtedly dated back to pre-Christian customs surrounding pagan goddesses, Perchetta and her consort of frightening, unruly, such a Perchetta. So Perchetta is like a pretty goddess. Such a Perchetta is her twin, but that's an ugly goddess. So a little bit about Perchetta. Perchetta or Berchetta in English, it's uh, translated to Bertha, also commonly known as Perch or other variations, was once known as a goddess in the Alpine paganism in Upper German and Austrian regions of the Alps. Her name means the bright one. Uh, in Old High German, it's Brat or Bert, from Proto-Germanic Brahatas, or Brahats, is probably related to the name Birchentag, 
meaning the feast of the Anthony. So a lot of German pronunciations. Again, sorry for me mispronouncing them. I'm trying to do my best here. I'm I'm keeping up, but it's 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 difficult. There's a lot of different names. A lot of the gods keep them all together. Depending on the region you go, the gods have like different aliases or different names, like mm-hmm. slight variations. So trying to get at least most of them in here. Yeah. But if your name is Berta, you might be any like a, a nasty goddess. Yep. So Prochetta is often identified as stemming from the same Germanic goddess as Hulda and other female figures of German folklore. Uh, according to Jacob Grimm and Lode Motz, Prochetta's Hulda's southern cousin or equivalent as they both share the role of guardian of the beasts and appear during the 12 days of Christmas when they oversee spinning. Grimm says Prochetta or Brochetta was known precisely in those upper German regions where Hulda leaves off in Swabia and the Asselade in Switzerland and Bavaria and Austria. According to Erica Trim, Prochetta emerged from the amalgamation of Germanic and pre-Germanic, probably Celtic traditions of the Alpine regions after the migration period in the early Middle Ages. So a little bit of Celtic lore also stems in Prochetta and the Celtic paganism. They're, they're really branching out with this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of, I kind of wanted to trace the history back of where Krampus comes from. And we're getting to kind of what Prochetta does. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So she would know whether the children and young servants of the household had behaved well and worked hard all year. If they had, they might find a small silver coin the next day in a shoe or in a pail. If they had not, she would slit their bellies open, remove their stomach and guts, and stuff the hole in their belly with straw and pebbles. She was particularly concerned to see that the girls had spun the whole of their allotted portion of flax or wool during the year. She would also slit people's bellies open and stuff them with straw if they ate something on the night of her feast other than the traditional meal of fish and gruel. That's... that... what? Tear up in a belly, fill it with crap because... oh... So, I feel like this could have stemmed from, like, lords and whatnot wanting to punish their workers or get more out of the, their workers during the year. Maybe, but still, that's just... Ugh. Yeah. And if you do it, best you get is a, a coin? Yep, a silver coin. And if not, then full-on disembowelment. Yeah. That's not fair. Yeah. Terrible. So, kind of now going back to Krampus. So, now that we know where Krampus is based off of, the customs really never vanished and eventually Krampus rebounded. By the 16th century, pagan Shia Perchenton, okay, Shia Perchenton, which is uh, similar to the pagan goddess that we just talked about, processions became a frequent part of winter festivities in Salzburg, Austria, despite centuries of Christian traditions. The Catholics saw this as a threat and attempted to ban these festivals in the 17th and 18th centuries 
and that proved futile. So a demonic he-goat earned his tenure in the Alpine holiday traditions, and they named it Krampus. So they kind of settled for a compromise and just changed it to something new. So this is sort of old, but not crazy old kind of stuff, because that's like the same time of year that people were colonizing the states. Um. So it... Yes and no, because, like, it's really started in the 11th century, but it mm-hmm. ga- regained popularity in the 16th century, and that's when the Krampus name was officially adopted, where oh. other areas had been using Krampus as a form of perchetta before okay. that. Okay. So, so it's a little confusing. Around, yeah. But I'm guessing, so essentially, he, he was in a different sort of an analogy. It's from the 1100s. Yeah. He was around, but he wasn't a famous musician until like the 1600s, like Prince. Like he wasn't Prince until then. Yeah. Because like. That, he was just a good musician. He was considered St. Nick's shadow in the 11th century. I think he got his behaviors of kidnapping and eating children from Perchetta, and that was officially adopted in the 16th century. Hmm. Okay. So kind of a twist the customs. All right. And this is just from a couple different sources that I read. So I'm trying to get a little parts and pieces of everything in here. Perfect. Um, in Alpine celebrations, Krampus and St. Nick come to life through use of costumes and wooden masks. But you can kind of guess what's more popular. For... Fur-clad goat men tend to parade through the streets and mass every Krampus knocked. They rattle their chains, brandish their torches, and leap about wild and indiscriminate energy. Like mentioned before, Krampus's frightening presence was suppressed for many years during the 12th century as well by the Catholic Church. They attempted to banish Krampus celebrations because of his resemblance to the devil. More eradications attempt followed in 1934 at the hands of Austria's conservative Christian Social Party. The Catholic Church forbade their recu celebrations in fascists in World War II in Europe. And they found Krampus despicable because it was considered a creation of the Social Democrats. But none of it held and Krampus emerged as a much feared and beloved holiday force. So Krampus is still pretty popular today. But they were, like, trying to use his image in, like, political cartoons? Uh, during World War II. Uh, that's a weird take, but okay. Yeah. So, basically, since he... The reason why I included that paragraph where it did is because I kind of covered how the Catholic Church uh, tried to banish him in the uh, 16th, 17th, and 18th centuries. They've been trying to do it since the 12th century when he first emerged because of his resemblance to Perchetta. And they've been trying to do it again in World War II and, uh, I mean, even today, but it's very popular. And he's been holding mm. through. Oh, yeah. I, I can guarantee they'll probably stick around for a while. Oh, yeah. So Krampus has been given a resurgence over the past few years, thanks partly to the bah humbug attitude in pop culture, with people searching for ways to celebrate Yuletide season in non-traditional ways. 
In the United States, people are embracing the dark side of Christmas with Krampus movies, special Krampus television episodes. They're throwing Krampus parties and attending local Krampus schnauts in cities like Washington, D.C. and New Orleans. And running in Krampus-themed races. For its part, though, Austria is attempting to commercialize the harsh persona of Krampus by selling, like, chocolates, figures, collectible horns. They're trying to turn him into the new Santa Claus. Um, but it's kind of criticized mm. because he's not really supposed to be like that. It seems more like marketing and just a way to get more tourists to buy their stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right, so now we are going to go on to some stories. I like stories. Yeah, so a lot of history at you. Sorry, that was kind of long, but here we go. No, I like it. So, December 24th, 2013. My parents will be gone for most of tonight and Christmas morning tomorrow for some stupid work thing that they both have. We usually have Christmas at 6 o'clock, but we have to wait for Mommy and Daddy to get home first. Mom told Brad, my oldest brother, that he would have a babysitter because she didn't trust him to watch all five of us by himself. Mom often let Brad watch us, but he had broke a lot of things the last couple times we were left alone, so Mommy said she would get Rebecca to watch us. Rebecca came to the house at 5. She was very pretty, and Brad couldn't stop looking at her. Mommy and Daddy left a couple minutes after Rebecca got here. This was the first time Rebecca had watched six kids at the same time before, and I don't think she knew what she was getting herself into. My youngest sister, Molly, who's three, threw a tantrum after our parents left. Levi and Garrett, my younger twin brothers, who were both five, started fighting. Brad talked to Rebecca most of the night, and Rachel spent most of the night in her room. Mom and Dad said that we would still get Christmas gifts tomorrow, but we had to wait to open them until they got home. We made hot chocolate, but the cocoa makers broke, so the hot chocolate burned our mouths, and we all got candy canes too. Rebecca started to put us to bed at 8 and finally succeeded at 9.30. Even though she was clearly exhausted and frustrated with us, she told us she had fun and that she wouldn't have spent Christmas any other way. I awoke in the middle of the night about 11 to see a crimson moon casting a dim red glow on the winter snow. I looked out of my bedroom and saw a red object coming towards our house, fast. It was hard to make out, but it looked like a red sleigh being pulled by a reindeer. I instantly recognized it as Santa's sleigh, and I ran to hide on the stairs and waited for him to come down the chimney anxiously. Out of the window, to the right of our fireplace, I saw the sleigh fly overhead and heard many hoos trotting on the roof. I made sure to remain perfectly still and silent as a mouse. I waited for what felt like an eternity while soft footsteps echoed on the roof above, getting closer to the chimney. I heard scuffling and ash and dust started falling from the fireplace. Soon two black boots landed and the rest of jolly old Saint Nick came through the fireplace with a bag of toys on his back. Without speaking a word, he went straight to our tree, he took the gifts from his bag and scattered them under our little plastic evergreen, and then started on the milk and cookies we left for him. I felt that I had held my breath the entire time I was hiding on the stairs. I couldn't believe I was spying on Santa Claus in my own home. Eventually, he made our way over to our stockings and started putting various knickknacks and candies into our stockings, starting with Molly. 
When he got to Levi, he took out a small black rock, eyed it sadly before placing it in Levi's stocking. It took me a second to realize that he gave Levi coal. I started to stifle a laugh to the best of my abilities, but a small squeak escaped my lips anyways. Santa turned around and scanned the room. I remained as still as ever. He turned back to the stockings, this time keeping his back to me, and put a piece of coal in Garrett's stocking too. He put a candy cane in Brad's stocking along with a pocket knife. Rachel got a new phone and some Kit Kats. Finally, he moved to my stocking, which is always the furthest to the right, even though I'm the middle child. He began rummaging through his sack as I leaned forward excitedly to see what I was going to get. Santa pulled out a large jet black piece of coal and stuffed it into my stocking. I felt a wave of anger and sadness and regret all at once. I almost stood up right there to tell off the jolly old elf, but when he turned around, I saw tears in his eyes. He looked as if he was filled with a similar emotion as I was, and he didn't like that he had to give bad kids coal. It was for this reason that I remained quiet as Santa climbed back up my chimney, got into a sleigh, and flew away. I watched out my downstairs window as the sleigh flew over the roof and into the black abyss of Christmas night. I sat there, still in place for a very long time, pondering how could I be a better child next year, when I spotted something out of the window again. It looked like the same figure I seen before, but this time the sleigh looked as if it was black. I wrote this off as it was just really dark outside, except for the moon's red glow. I wondered why Santa would come back. Maybe he forgot something. Maybe he made a mistake. Maybe I wasn't the naughty child. He was on his way back right now to fix his mistake. My mind was racing with one thought to another as I began to hype myself up for all the possible Christmas presents. I stopped watching the window and had begun to daydream about the next morning until the hooves on the roof interrupted my thoughts. I heard loud, heavy clacking this time as he got closer to the chimney. Ash began to fall down the chimney, creating an ashy cloud around the fireplace that I assumed to be Santa coming down to land with a loud clash. My final thought before seeing what came next was, how has no one noticed all this? Through the cloud of thick black ash produced two large horns with stripes of red and white like those on candy canes. As the dust settled, the rest of the figure was revealed. His skin was pale, icy-looking blue. His beard was like Santa's, except it was black and came to a point. His nose was large and long, and his face had looked grizzled, but more human-like than I thought. His horns looked like they could touch the ceiling if he jumped. His body looked human in shape, but animal in appearance. His legs were twisted and ended in hooves, like that of a cow or bull. He had a long tail. His torso was contorted in everything, but his face and palms was covered in fur. He had broken chains around his wrists and what looked like heavy red Christmas ornaments attached to his tail by another chain. His ears were pointed and so were his yellow teeth. Despite his horrid outlandish appearance, the most noticeable thing about the creature was its bells that it wore and basket on its back that had a limp arm of a child hanging from it. The stories were true, and so this was Krampus. I couldn't believe my eyes. I had seen sleighs go, magic reindeer fly overhead, and even Santa Claus himself, 
but none of that could have prepared me for the beast that is Krampus. He moved around the room with such speed that I was caught off guard. The thing looked about eight feet tall with its horns, and with them he towered over everything in our large home. He made his way to the fireplace and took the coal from Levi's stocking. He rolled it around in his long bony fingers for a minute, then took the coal from Garrett's stocking, and then finally mine. He studied the coal for a moment. A wild, a wide smile full of pointy yellow teeth beamed across his face. Naughty little children, he said in a cold, raspy voice. A shiver ran up my spine as he spoke. I was paralyzed in both fear and awe at the creature that roamed the living room beneath me. I thought he was moving towards the tree, but walked past it and started going down the hallway into Levi and Garrett's room. I remembered the things my father used to say about it, that he whips the bad kids, takes them away. Sometimes he eats them, sometimes he shakes them and scares them into being good. All these horrid thoughts and more danced through my head as the monster creeped into the twins' room. I tried to scream with all my might, but no sound would escape my mouth. As I finally able to choke out Levi Garrett's screams had already filled the room. Levi came running out of his room, screaming his head off as Garrett followed suit. The creature's long, twisted arm reached out of the room and grabbed Garrett's leg, pulling him back into the room. I stood up from the spot on the stairs and motioned for Levi to come to me. Garrett's screams fell silent. The Krampus emerged from the room alone. His nose seemed shorter now, his face even more deformed. I gripped Levi's hand tightly and we ran for Brad's room. I wailed on his door again and again, but he wouldn't come out. I tried harder to get his attention, but I could hear it coming up the stairs and each hoof hitting each step. I took Levi to the laundry room and told him to hide in the laundry chute. Once he was inside, I began lowering the laundry hamper so he could get downstairs without confronting the monster. Before he was lowered out of sight, I told Levi to start a hot cocoa maker because I had a plan. He nodded, and once he got to the bottom, I felt the hamper get lighter as he climbed out. I heard hooved footsteps getting louder and closer to the laundry room. I began pulling the laundry hamper up and climbed in just as the door was violently flung open despite the locks on it. The beast licked his lips with long, skinny tongue as he slowly approached my trembling body inside the hamper. I began to bounce myself and rock the hamper as Krampus got closer and closer. The hamper wouldn't fall no matter how hard I rocked it, and the creature was nearly upon me. I felt its breath on me, getting closer. I expected its breath to be like that of a dog's, but instead it felt like the coldest winter chill caressing my skin. I shook the whole hamper savagely as I could before it finally budged. The hamper fell, and before I knew it, I was on the first floor. I crawled out of the chute and ran to the kitchen as the demon rampaged upstairs. As I came into the kitchen, I noticed signs of my little brother, but I didn't see that the hot cocoa maker was on. The stomping of the creature upstairs continued, but it didn't seem to be near the stairs, so I was focused on finding Levi. He wasn't hiding in any of the cabinets, and he wasn't anywhere in the living room. I decided that he might be in his room, so I quietly creeped into it slowly but steadily. The twins' room was trashed entirely, and Levi wasn't there. There was blood on the wall. I shuddered to think that it once belonged to my baby brother. A small, bloody handprint was smeared on the wall and by the door. Dread was all that I could feel in that moment. Dread for the misbehaving all year. Dread for what had become of my little brother. 
and dread for the silence that fell in place of the who's stomping around upstairs. I quickly and silently made my way back to the kitchen and took out a large coffee pitcher of scolding hot cocoa. As I kept out of the kitchen and into the living room, I had an ominous feeling of dread as if I were being watched. I could barely see in the dark of the night, and I couldn't locate our light switches. The only source of light I had was the dim, eerie glow of the lights from the Christmas tree. As I scanned all the entrances to the dining room, something moving caught my eye. The chandelier had begun to start swinging as if something had bumped it or hit it. There was a soft thudding that accompanied the squeaking of the rocking corona. As I looked around to make another vague shape in the glow of the Christmas lights, I saw what bumped into the chandelier. The monster was crawling on my ceiling like a large twisted spider. His arms were bent in excruciating looking ways to grip the ceiling, and I watched and watched me with his eyes that burnt like fire. I wanted to scream at the top of my lungs at the very sight of it, but instead I held my ground. A cruel smile spread across the face of the predator who was stalking me. He undug his fingers from the ceiling and landed on the floor in front of me with a thunderous crash mere inches away from me. This was his mistake. I threw the entire pitcher of brain hot cocoa on his face, and the beast immediately started writhing in agony. He covered his hands over his quickly blistering face. He took his hands off his face just as it began to melt and peel off, the bits of flesh and blood melting away to reveal this horrible skull with its eyes still in their sockets. It froze for a while. For a brief moment, I was happily assured and content that the Krampus was dead. But then it only started cackling an awful and disturbingly malevolent laugh. It pierced my ears like knives over me loomed and instilled as much fear as it could. It was working. Before my very eyes, the muscles around the creature's skull started to grow back and in seconds its new face had formed. It looked at me more like with a goat with pointy teeth than human, but you could still partially see it in there. Its beard was still as long as before, but now it had looked almost out of place on the demonic beast's head. I turned and ran behind the Christmas tree, avoiding the abomination's lanky arms as I ran by. The Krampus immediately started coming towards the tree, intent on harmoning me. I pushed the large plastic evergreen on the monster and ran back upstairs to find my little brother. I wailed on my other siblings' doors, but no one would wake up, no matter how hard I pounded on their doors. Everyone locks their doors to their rooms when we go to sleep, and so we're not bothered, but the doors are so heavy and not much sound can get through them. I began to shout for Levi as loud as I could, hoping he'd respond. Then Levi appeared at the top of the stairs, and we stared at each other. He looked terrified and sad. I started to walk towards him when suddenly my baby brother was impaled by Krampus's horns. His body was thrusted up and thrashed around by the savage creature and he convulsed in shock and spastically on its horns. I've seen people die on TV before, but watching it in real life is entirely different. No one should have to go through it. My brother did not deserve that. No one deserves that. Santa and Christmas are about love and cheer. Krampus made Christmas about hatred and retribution. I watched helplessly while the thing ripped my brother's shaking body from its horns and dropped his lifeless body into the basket on his back. 
The demon began to strut towards me with malicious intentions. So I ducked into mom and dad's empty room and opened the top right drawer in my dad's dresser. I wasn't tall enough to see what I was reaching for, but when I felt it, I pulled out my dad's pistol. I opened the other dresser and had put two bullets in the pistol by the time the creature burst open the door. I shot it twice, and it hit both times, but it was unfazed by the bullets. The loud noise clearly hurt both our ears as the monster clawed at its ears while screaming in pain. I began to quickly crawl towards the window until something long, thin, and tight and slimy gripped my right leg and began pulling me back. I looked behind me in terror to see that Krampus was using his incredibly long tongue to pull me to its mouth full of sharp, jagged teeth. I began to breathe in and out quicker and quicker and began panicking as my foot got closer to its mouth. I lifted my leg and kicked it in its face right before its tongue finally loosened. Before I could breathe, Krampus picked me up and began shaking me wildly. I kicked him a second time, and this time with my right foot too, and he flung me into the hallway where I had began limping away. I had reached the end of the hallway when I heard a loud popping crack sound. Moments later, feeling a sharp sting all across my back, I looked back and saw that the holiday devil had been started whipping me with a whip like a lion tamer would use. I felt a warm ooze onto my back and a new pain starting to set in. I started to limp away to safety when I was picked up by Krampus again. His long, cold fingers wrapped around my back and stung my cut even worse. He looked at me right in the eye before lifting me behind his back and dropping me into the birch basket on his back. On the outside of the basket, it looks like it could only fit a couple kids inside, but inside it was massive. I fell into a mountain of bodies. There were hundreds or thousands of kids in that one basket piled on each other, not all alive. Where you couldn't see other kids, which made up the trembling ground, you could only see darkness. No sounds could be heard from inside or outside really either. Kids would scream, mutter, and shout, but their throats clearly hurt, but no sounds came from their mouths. Every time I thought the situation couldn't get any worse, it got way worse. I waited what felt like a millennia to escape, as new kids would fall in and join the confusion to show how much time had passed. Eventually, the Krampus reached into the basket and began to pull out another child. His arm became larger as he reached into the basket and stretched out to a panic girl. I grabbed onto her leg and let myself be carried to salvation. When we were pulled from the basket, I let go of the kid and fell behind Krampus. He didn't notice I escaped. He was too focused on the girl. He looked at the small girl for a second before biting into her flesh with his large, sharp teeth. I never knew the kid's name before the creature devoured her, but I owe her my life for helping me escape. I backed away slowly from behind as Krampus feasted on my fellow child and its at its dinner table. I had no idea where I was now, but it was dark and it was cold. I think I was where the creature lives. After the monster was finished eating, he picked up a small wooden box, opened the top, and spat something that glowed a bright green into it. He then took the box over to a rusted duffet that he had opened, entered, then left a few minutes later without the box. He then left the room, leaving the child's remains on a large platter and a rusty door to my curiosity. I opened the door to see dozens 
of more wooden boxes. I also saw many creepy looking porcelain dolls and other creepy toys. The door behind me closed and I was emerged in total darkness. I got my, out my phone and used it bravely to light my way. I walked past a jack-in-the-box with a scary face, past a baby doll that looked withered and old. I found a sack I found a sack doll that looked like a creepy, rotting skeleton, too. I thought it was like Santa's rejected toy shop until I found the word misfits smeared in red paint next to the clown with the skull for a head, blue eyes in its sockets, and big fleshy hands. I was terrified someone else was caught in that room before. When I got closer to the clown, it jumped towards me and yelled, Want to play? I got really scared and jumped back as the clown let out a scary laugh. I heard scurrying and teeny footsteps of the other toys from all around. I started catching the dolls and gingerbread men, turning their heads as I ran along the walls trying to relocate the door. I found another message on the wall. Why can't we die? It was scratched into the wall by something. I wanted nothing more than for this night to end. When I located the door, I bolted for it as soon as I saw it, but was tripped by a toy soldier with realistic burns on half of his face. I kicked the teeny hunk of plastic away and moved closer to the door when a deformed baby doll bit appeared from the darkness and sank her teeth into my leg. I felt a surge of pain and fell to the ground. I furiously punched the doll's head repeatedly until it unlocked its teeny teeth from my flesh. The porcelain atrocity scurried off as other toys danced around me in the darkness. More and more of them kept popping up and coming out out of boxes like the one Krampus spat and the glowing thing into. The toys began muttering words, but I could not make out what they were saying. The mutterings got louder and louder until I understood some of the words. Feel our pain. He killed us, but not entirely. He gobbled me up and spat my soul into a puppet. Kill us. Let us die. The things they said were terrible and dreadful, to say the least. I got up and started to make my way to the door as the dolls chanted more obscene things to me. We're going to eat you alive like he ate us. I'm going to rip out your eyes. Although they continued to chant, none of them came towards me as I moved around the dark room. I saw a small toy skeleton in Santa's clothes with a beard move by. A puppet with many nails sticking out of its wooden head was strung up to the ceiling, moving and wrestling with strings. I spotted a stool that was pulled up to a workbench with tools and a teddy bear on it. The teddy bear had real bear claws sticking from its paws and real human teeth in its mouth. I reasoned that this was Krampus's demented toy shop and decided to leave before it was too late. I walked past the bench on the door and started pulling on the rusty metal handle. The door was extremely heavy, but slowly budged and started opening as I pulled with all my might. Light began to bathe the room, and all the misfoot toys dashed into the shadows to avoid the light. I ran from the dark room, closed the door behind me, and leaned on it for a while to catch my bearing. I looked around the only other room in this place that was familiar to me. I went by the long table the monster ate the nameless girl at, trying not to think about it and trying to think of something, anything to distract me from the horrors that I had witnessed to. I walked to an open door and poked, only 
and poked my head only halfway out to scan the perimeter of the room. It led to a large room that had various whips, saws, and various other torture devices. I crept in and kept to the wall. I spotted three dark wooden boxes amongst the darkness and concrete walls. I also found a window, and the snow outside was falling so slowly, so peacefully. Two doors were on one large wall opposite of the window, and the other was on the wall to the right of the window. I first tried one of the doors on the long wall, had decided beforehand to go to the door to the right of the window, thinking it would lead me closer to the door out or something. The walls were lined with racks, and racks were lined with hellish mess. Some had horns, some had long serpent tongues sticking out, some had teeth, some had patches of skin, some had antlers, and a wired skull with antlers, and antlers that had, like, candles on them. It was so strange. The room was so large, and the other door led to the same room. I left without moving the door, and feared that closing the heavy door would create noise and would lead the creature to me. I walked alongside the wall to avoid equipment, straight to the only door I had left. I opened the door slowly and with caution. The first thing in the room I had noticed was a strange tree that looked like an upside-down purple Christmas tree. The trunk, it was on the bottom, but the pines and branches looked upside down. The tree was decorated with red and green lights and small bones. There was another window in the room, but it was on the same side as the last. There was an open doorway that led to a hallway that took off two signs labeled directions. The right one said surveillance room, and the left side said stables. I went to the stables thinking I might be able to find reindeer to fly out of the place with. It seems like a silly plan now, in hindsight. I opened the stable door, and awful smells invaded my nostrils immediately. There was frost on the floor as well. There were eight stables lined up along the wall to the right, and each had demonic reindeer heads sticking out. Below each head was the doors to each stall, and each with pennants of their names on them. I read the names out loud as I started down the row. Each deer was grotesque in their own right. One or two had exposed skulls, each with jagged teeth. Some had manes, and others had dry blood on their fur. Seven of their eyes glowed red. Slasher, I said as I passed the first. Wrathful, Gorgon, Putrid, Cyclops. Cyclops was missing one fiery eye. Rabies, Goner. The last monstrous reindeer looked like a hellish Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. His head had flames that danced from its gnarled snout to the back of its mane. Between its sharp and bloody antlers furiously flickered bolts of electricity. Blitzkrieg was the name. I decided writing one was out of the question and began searching for an exit. I realized that the only door in this room was the one I came from. I looked all over for a room looking for some other way and saw the reason for the cold. The top crease and upper part of one wall was missing and led outside. It was far too high to reach. I left the stable room and went to the surveillance room. The handle felt icy cold and I slowly opened the door. The room was like the rest, large. One wall was covered with monitors. The bottom middle monitor stuck more, out more than the rest and had a keyboard below it. The chair was also pulled up to it. Each screen had various kids on it, some in dreadful conditions, others minding their own business. 
No sound came from the monitors, but I started to notice that I was hearing a ticking noise. A clock above the door read 545. Christmas Day didn't start at my house until 6 o'clock. The wall opposite of the monitors had many names scratched into it. I wonder if the girl's name was scratched into it. The door that read exit was to the right of the monitors, but the computer said search name. I sat in the large chair and typed in Garrett Rockford. A nutcracker that had two bodies attached from the sides of its head had popped up. Each body seemed to be trying to yank away from the other. Its face looked like it was in pain and it had the same color eyes as Levi and Garrett. I looked up Levi Rockford and the same thing popped up. I sat frozen in awe for a moment. Tears filled my eyes and ran down my cheeks. The ticking clock seemed to turn into clomping as I sobbed. I was crying more than I had ever cried before. I cried so hard I began hearing ringing. Then the chair I was in was spun around and I was face to face with Krampus. He looked menacing and insidiously sinister. His horns were part covered in blood, his long fingers looked sharp, and his eyes burned like never before. He waved his long, sharp, bony finger at me and tissed. Naughty, naughty, he said in a cruelly mocking voice. He licked my face with his incredibly long tongue, then began to wrap it around my throat. He started constricting his tongue and choked me. I was gurgling and coughing and struggling with all my might, and it did close to nothing. I started feeling weaker and weaker as my head heated up, my lungs screamed for air. My vision even started to become blurred. Then I knew if I didn't do something quickly, I was going to die. I punched him in the face with all my might and knocked him back for only a brief moment as his tongue recoiled into his mouth. I utilized my time and ran towards the exit. I felt the ground shake directly behind me as the heavy hooves shook the floor violently in their wake. I felt the creature's cool breath on my back of my neck as I pushed the door open and ran into the freezing cold as my pursuer followed suit. I ran until I was knee-deep in snow until a lanky hand gripped me and started dragging me back. The dark sky slowly lit as the sun started to emerge from the bottom of the horizon. The Krampus stopped dragging me. He dropped me and stared briefly at the rising sun. I'll come and get you again, he said as he dropped my leg and retreated back to his lair as I lay in the snow. A silhouetted figure came from the distance. I closed my eyes for what felt like seconds, but I when I opened them, the sun was higher in the sky and the figure was closer. I could make out that he was wearing red, and then I passed out again. I opened my eyes to see an outstretched hand and black mitten on it. It belonged to a fat bearded man with a silly hat. Santa? I inquired. Shush, child, he said in a soothing voice. Let's take you home. The next thing I remember was waking up in my bed at home. Levi and Garrett were both kidnapped in the middle of the night, and I found out from Rebecca, Brad, and Molly, who already told us that, told our parents and the cops. I tried to tell them what really happened, but no one believed me. They only got mad when I tried to explain it to them, so I gave up trying to tell them, and that's how I spent my Christmas. Well then kind of an epic story yeah i mean you even got like the misfit toys in there with everything oh geez yeah but they're scary killer misfit toys yeah hmm yeah interesting yeah i really like that story 
it was it was long but it was good yeah it was a good story yeah still though it sounds like there's gonna be a part two next year there is a part two but i did not include it because i liked part one a lot better ah good if you like that you can follow follow along for the next one with it uh, on your own time if you must know what happens or go to the blog and click on the link and you'll be able to find it there you go too. that night everyone hunkered down in their beds and waited for santa to leave his gifts below the tree but cindy had had trouble sleeping it was midnight now cindy rarely found herself awake at this hour but she knew why cindy removed her covers and hopped out of bed and tiptoed across her room she was careful not to wake anyone she opened the closet and grabbed Maddie's wrapped gift. She tiptoed down the dark hallway and dragged her fingers along the walls so not to stumble around in the dark. I'll give Maddie her gift and tell her I'm sorry and tell her I love her, Cindy thought to herself. That's what I'll do, and she'll be happy and forgive me, and maybe she'll even say she loves me too. When Cindy arrived outside Maddie's door, she heard a strange shuffling noise coming from inside. Perhaps Maddie was preparing another prank for Cindy. No matter, Cindy was going to walk in and give Maddie her present and try to make amends. Cindy had opened the door just a crack. She was careful not to startle Maddie. It was so dark inside the room and she couldn't see a thing. But she could hear a great deal of shuffling inside the room. Cindy stared into the room for quite some time, patiently waiting for her eyes to adjust to the gloom. When her eyes did adjust, she saw an empty bed. She saw Maddie's wide-open window. She saw a seven-foot figure standing in the shadows. She saw the rounded cage upon its back, and then she saw Maddie sitting in the cage like a frightened bird. As Cindy's terrified eyes further adjusted to the dark, she saw the figure more clearly. It had a goat's head with large horns on top. Its eyes were red and impish and hostile. It wore a suit much like Santa Claus, and it even had jingling sleigh bells hanging from a few ends of its garments. Cindy stood frozen in fear as the creatures glanced at her and gave her a nod and a wink. The creature made its way towards the window. As it did, the last Cindy saw of her sister was a look of fear and sadness and regret. And then the creature left as Cindy stood with a present in her hands. Down the chimney he will come with his great big grin, and you'll find that even the kitties are very liable to send. What will Krampus say when he finds everybody is sinning? What will Krampus say when he hears them sin, sin, sinning? By Jake Wick. That would have been really disturbing to see as a kid. Oh, yeah. Seeing your little sister Mm. kidnapped as you're trying to make events. Yeah. But, slight comfort. At least she knows that she wasn't in the wrong. It was her sister. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then, just to wrap up, I have a couple quick little ones. Alrighty. Frederick loved to smile, for he was always glad. Happy, warm, and gentle. Never, ever sad. But Frederick had a secret, one he only knew. This man left his strangled children, and he turned them cold and blue. The townsfolk never found them, for he was very smart. Frederick took their corpses and pulled them all apart. 
It couldn't be young Frederick, everyone would say. He is a man of God. We always see him pray. The cold night came, and Frederick rested his head, but soon he heard a scratching underneath his bed. Frederick trembled as he looked, oil lamp in hand. On his bedroom floor, the demon had a plan. Away with you, beast, the night is dark and long. You have no business here, for I have gone and done no wrong. Krampus only laughed as he shook his rusty chain. He hung Frederick by the neck until he wreathed in pain. The lynx constricted, digging into skin. Frederick then cried out, pain for her son. He begged and pleaded until his final breath. With the beautiful snap, Frederick bled to death. Krampus hung him out to dry. All the townsfolk began to cry. But not the children, for now their souls were free. And under Frederick's body, the phantoms danced with glee. That was one, and now I got a couple others. Greta loved herself more than she could bear. She never had enough and could never ever share. Want was never more, it was only need. Her envy grew and grew, and with it came her greed. Greta needed more, but money wasn't flush, so she stole from her family. It gave her quite the rush. It is not enough to herself, she would say. I must have it all, there is no other way. Into her grandparents' home, Greta crept inside. They had many treasures, jewelry and gemstones, pied. But what she looked about, wealth she did not find, only ancient Krampus with something on his mind. Greta shrieked and trembled, staring at his claws. She knew there would be no mercy from this evil Santa Claus. You shall have the riches, Krampus said with a grin, and he gave them to her after peeling off her skin. And then, Herman was a doctor, for that's what he would say, and every single patient they would have to pay. He cut and pulled and burned, and after he was done, for more he would always yearn. The surgeon was a butcher who had a taste for swine. With her bleeding flesh, he pair a fine red wine. The hunger took him, body, mind, and soul, yet this evil, it never took its toll. Herman was alone, and his jury sat. All this human meat had made him very fat. He drifted off to slumber and began to snore until an angry Krampus burst through his front door. Herman could not move. He wet himself in fright. Krampus licked his lips and let out a squill of delight. First he gouged out his eyes and Herman could not see. Then Krampus filleted his tongue. It was tender as could be. Christmas is a joyous, full of love and cheer. But you must remember the one we all fear. So be kind to one another, show love, and heed this text, or Krampus will find you, and you will certainly be next. And that is all I have on Krampus. Uh, the rhyming thing sounds like something you could hear, like a small child saying in like a dark, unseen area for horror movies. Do you want me to do it in a creepy child voice? I'd rather you not. I, I could do one. <laughs> don't. No, that's... That, I was just making a point. I don't need examples. Please. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> Very sure. All right. Well, that was all I had. Yeah, I was hoping to get out of this without a chance for nightmares, but I was just... I was wrong. It's me, John. John, of course there's nightmares. Hmm. Fair point. Yeesh. Do you have any questions, or what do you think on Krampus? I mean, I've seen references to it 
in a lot of different places, like you mentioned before, with like TV shows and movies and whatnot. But actual stories, I haven't heard them. So that's yeah. Yeah. No, Reddit's a great place for all these stories. And oh my god, they actually have written stories too, but I, those were a little long to include. Hmm. Understandable, but oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, he's a creepy fella. Uh-huh. Wonderful stuff. Yeah. So, mm. Merry Christmas, everyone, because this one should come out uh, the week of Christmas Eve. Yay. So, Happy Christmas. Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays, or whatever you c- celebrate. Or bolt the doors if, you know, you might be su- expecting a different visitor of sorts. Yup, yup, yup. Uh, okay. Well, with that, John, do you want to take us out? Sure. So if you haven't already, give us five stars. And subscribe to our lovely podcast and leave a review. All of those things help us greatly and reaches out to many others like your fine, lovely self listening to this disturbing yet somehow fun podcast. I still can't wrap my mind around those things. And if you'd like to email us, you can do so at vileadvice at gmail.com. And you can support us with PayPal at the same email address. If you'd like to follow us on Facebook, you can do that at Vile and Vice Podcast, as well as on Instagram with the same name. And if you just feel like tweeting or doing anything along those lines, you can tweet us at Vile and Vice. No ampersands here for any sort of reason whatsoever. We don't do them. None at all. And if you really like us, you can support us at patreon.com slash vice. Any little bit helps, and any donation gets you some extra little tidbits and content about Adi disturbing me further with spooky stories and the like. If so, I can find more Krampus stories, you can bet there will be a bonus episode on that. You're a monster. Oh, I know. I know. We're going to have to do an episode on you now. <laughs> But you love me. Yeah, that's true. But I think that's it from us. Yep, we'll see you next week. And I hope you guys have a very happy and safe holiday. And I hope Krampus doesn't come and get you like he did these many children. Yeah, don't do that. Sounds like a bad time. But we'll talk to you later. Have fun. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Violin Vice. Cover art is by Audie Griffith. Music by Annabelle Reback. If you want to help support the show, please visit patreon.com slash or give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to. This helps us move up the charts and also helps keep the spooky stories coming. Thank you.